You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Last week I mentioned something called All Saints Day or All Hollows Tide, and I got a few questions about that. And since today is All Saints Day, I thought we would talk about it. It is going to be unique. If you do not enjoy it, this is something that we don't do regularly. If you do enjoy it, you have all year to look forward to it. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them at any time. I'll do my best to check that. Um, There should be a ton of questions. No question is too dumb or too small. Please feel free to send it, um, and I'll do my best to check that before time is over and try to give you a reminder as we're wrapping up. But today we're going to do a couple things. Uh, we're going to do some history, we're going to do some Bible, and I'm going to give you some encouragements for you uh, to take away from whatever this is that we're going to talk about. I didn't know. I went to school to learn about all this stuff. I didn't know really anything about what I'm going to talk about today until I went to school. Uh, I didn't even know what I didn't know. And so today I'm hoping for you to learn some stuff, and that's the first part of this is going to be some history. And then after that, we'll talk about where it comes from biblically and what we could do about it. But yeah, we're talking about All Hallows Tide or All Saints Day. Today is All Saints Day. Tomorrow is All Souls Day. This is a Christian tradition that has gone back to almost the very beginning. I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff, but so that you can trust me a little bit more, here is a Catholic priest who's going to give you an introduction to just a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Here is a video on what today is about. October 31st probably conjures up in your mind images of jack-o'-lanterns and spooky costumes and trick-or-treating. What many don't know is that Halloween is the first day of Hallowtide, a triduum of Catholic feasts that also includes All Saints Day on November 1st and All Souls Day on November 2nd. In fact, Halloween is just a contraction of Hallow's Eve, which is the evening before All Hallow's Day, also known as All Saints Day. These three days can also be referred to as the Days of the Dead or All Hallowtide. Hallowtide is a time of both joyous celebration and solemn reflection and prayer. So let's go back in time and explain where these feasts came from and how we can celebrate them. That's it. That's all you get. Find it on YouTube if you want to know more. Uh, 45 seconds flat. That's all we're doing. Triduum triduum is a big word that just means three-day celebration. It happens the 31st, the 1st, and the 2nd. Here's what, where this comes from. Christians have always celebrated and had celebrations for the dead. Always. Because uh, death is an important part of not only life, but of the Christian faith. It started locally at first, so it would be a body like this. And if someone passed away, every year they would celebrate the passing of that person. And that day would be their day. Uh, Partly, like I said, because death was a big deal. The early and ancient Christians viewed it as a birth. That just like you had nine months in a womb to be formed before you were born into life, you got essentially nine decades to form in life before you moved on into the next life. And so death was a a birthday of sorts. In fact, most Christian churches celebrated death days more than they celebrated birthdays. It was a big deal. And like I said, locally at first, The highest honor was martyrs. It was people who were killed for their faith. They died for their faith, and they were honored above all. But soon, there were too many names and not enough days. 
And it started growing, and they're just because there's people, and, and Christianity began to grow. And so they consolidated the memorial of these saints, of these Jesus followers, onto a certain set of day. Originally, it was May 13th, and then it was moved to November 1st. And that's where we get all hollows tied. Hollow just means you could say holy. It could say saint. We pray it in the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're asking God to make God's name holy in us and through us in the world. Ultimately, it's a three-day remembrance, celebration, and prayer for the dead. And I know this is weird, uh, so bear with me. It's not part of our culture. First day was All Saints Day, as I talked about. And this is those honored people. These are the best examples of our faith. In the Catholic tradition, they have an official process for someone to become saints. We don't do that. If you follow Jesus, you're a saint. No matter how good or bad you are, we'll call you a saint. Then it was All Souls Day, and this is remembering everybody who followed Jesus and passed away. And so it was a three-day. And then, like all celebrations, the night before became a night of prayer, of remembering, of being at church together, um, and celebrating. Three days. And just, if you didn't see it in the video, uh, this is... Uh, how we get what we got. It starts off with All Hallows Evening, which is the day before, or All Saints Evening. They shortened it to All Hallows Even. They took out the V, and it became All Halloween. And that's how we get Halloween. It comes from that celebration. This is where that word comes from. Hallow mean holy. Een mean the evening before the day of the holy celebration of those who passed away. And if you don't believe me, that's fine. Maybe you won't believe Wikipedia either, but it says... <laughs> Halloween or Halloween, a contraction of All Hallows Evening. So I'm not making it up. This is where it comes from. And I'm not bringing that up to try to convince anyone to celebrate Halloween. I know there are some people that have certain feelings about it. I'm just telling you where it came from. This is the history of it. Uh, this is where it comes from. And it's a Christian tradition that's gone back almost 2,000 years where we remember those who have passed away in our faith. The best examples of our faith and all those in our family uh, that are very close to us and local. What's the problem? I always start off with a problem because we can't experience good news unless we know what the bad news is. There's a bunch of problems. Some people think this is too Catholic, and I get that. I understand that. Some, we live in a different world. Some people think the world is too mystified since enlightenment, and so some of this stuff seems superstitious. Some of the stuff seems uh, just different, and I get that as well. The early Christians uh, would think that we don't have enough faith and we would think they have a little bit too much you know like there's some weird goobly goblins everywhere and we'd be like hold on everybody um, we'd have some different conversations with our early christian parents but since the enlightenment our world has been a little demystified and lastly in our culture especially we've sanitized and avoided the topic of death from from everything not only from people but even animals right i can go to the supermarket and get a nice clean cut of meat i don't even know what animal it came from i wouldn't know unless they told me up there because i didn't i wasn't part of that process right and so we've sanitized and avoided it and so when we have done that we've tend to let go of some of these celebrations that christians have celebrated for a very long time i know why we've avoided it i know why we've sanitized it i know why we've relegated it to other people and I don't have any judgment about that. But I do have to say that it does have consequences for our culture. It does um, shape the way we think about these types of things. It does impact the way we live our lives when it comes to this aspect of life. Primarily in our culture, we prioritize the happy clappies. That's... The praise God past the jello. Not a lot of substance. Always looking for that, that warm feeling, that good feeling, that happy feeling. 
And oftentimes, and the church is especially uh, needing of repentance in this, we don't make room for harder emotions. We don't make room for sadness or grief or loss. Our culture is not great at this. I think of other cultures where when you lose somebody, you get to go through a year-long grieving process, and you get to wear certain clothes, and people know that when you go to the grocery store, this person is in grief, and you don't have to try to put on a brave face. And if you're grouchy and mean, everyone goes, we know why. Something's happening. Like, let's leave this person alone. (laughs) But now you just have to show up and be like, it's fine, it's fine, and it's not fine. Our culture is not good at this. We don't make room for hard emotions because we're always seeking those happy clappies. Again, before I get into the Bible aspect of this, I'm not trying to convince you of this stuff. I'm not trying to tell you to do this stuff. I'm not trying to convince you to add this to the calendar or think about praying for the dead or anything like that. I wanted to let you know part of our Christian tradition. I want to let you know where this comes from biblically. And I do have some encouragements at the end because I think this season provides us some unique opportunities, which is what I just said, hoping to show biblically why and how this is important. If you don't know, I like to preach head, heart, hands because I think there's something that God wants us to know. And I hope every week you come, you learn something a little, a, a little different or maybe something new. Uh, I think God wants us to experience something because if it doesn't move from here to here, then it, it really is useless if it gets trapped up here. And lastly, if there's not something for us to do, we won't practice it. It won't become ingrained in our lives. And so this is a holistic way of thinking about our faith. So what does God want us to know? What does the church want us to know? What does the Bible want us to know? Hebrews 12, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12 says this, 12.1. So then, with endurance, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Paul is, it might be Paul. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It might be Paul. Whoever the author of Hebrews is uh, wrote this letter. It's in our Bible. And they start off with chapter 11, and they list all these great people of faith in the, in the Jewish tradition, Abraham and Enoch and Moses and David, and they list all these people. And then he gets to this line as the next verse of the next chapter. This is the great cloud of witnesses that stand around us, and the church has always understood this to be supernatural. And this is one of those things that when you begin following Jesus, you have to accept that there's some supernatural realities that we believe. And they believe this to be a supernatural cloud of witnesses that has surrounded us to help us in this race that we're racing. I imagine it kind of like this. It's just a gift. It's a marathon, right? People running. But there's also the crowd cheering them on, friends and family. There's also people who've run the race that are staying down here to, to clap and cheer I love the marathon idea because there are some people that want to win the marathon, but most people are just trying to finish the marathon. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like, it's like, that's me. I'm like, please, let me just finish. As I was looking for gif- gifts of this, there's a ton of, um, ton of videos and pictures of people's bodies giving out at the last minute, which is like something that I've never really experienced as far as physical exertion. But this is what Paul has in mind, that you're running your own race, And you have to run your race alone, but you're never by yourself. That there are people present and supernaturally, this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on. Maybe even, as the early Christians believed, praying for you. Just like we pray for one another, they pray for us. This is that cloud of witnesses that are encouraging on our race. They can't run it for you, but they can cheer for you and pray for you, and be excited for you, or worried for you, wherever you are in your race. 
We run our own race, but we are not alone or by ourselves. Christianity then tried to sum up all of the important beliefs, and they called these summaries creeds. And in the end of the most famous creed called the Apostles' Creed, where they sum up who God is and what God has done and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, uh, the last part they say, I believe in the communion of saints. And again, Christians have believed that this is a supernatural reality. The communion of saints involves everyone who was in Jesus, is currently alive in Jesus, and will be in Jesus. This is the communion of saints. This is the body of Christ, past, present, and future. And we affirm this reality in our creeds that we don't run our, we run our race by ourselves, but we're never alone, and that we're doing this as a group, as a body of Christ. They have different names for these groups. If you've passed away in Jesus, you are the church triumphant. If you are currently alive right now, going through life, you are the church militant because you're on the ground fighting the battles. But either way, both of those groups are part of this communion of saints, this cloud of witnesses that surrounds us and encourages us. As I said, this always meant we belong to the body of Christ, past, present, and future. It means we belong to something bigger that transcends space and time. Have you ever had one of those moments that transcends space and time? I moved to Arizona for a couple months uh, when, I helped, uh, when I was trying to help a church plant. And I got to work at a place called Ruby Tuesdays. I don't know if you know what that is. It's kind of like an Applebee's. Uh, I got to be a waiter there for about two weeks. Um, in, it's in the Phoenix area, and really no one is from the Phoenix. There are few locals. Everyone has moved there. And so it was a great, natural way to start up a conversation. I think I honestly met five locals. Everybody else was from somewhere else. And so I remember sitting at a table, and I remember, that's my, that was my go-to. Like, where are you from? I get excited about this stuff. And they're like, oh, we're from Tempe, which is just, and I was like, oh, okay, I had never met locals before. They're like, we're not really locals. We're from the Bay Area in California. And I went, awesome, I'm from Northern California too, from a town near Chico, right? Is that how you do it when you introduce, because no one knows where Orville is? And they're like, he's like, oh, I was born in Orville. And I was like, like, I get so excited. <laughs> like, everybody tries to play it so cool. And I'm like, <gasps> like, it felt like one of those moments that transcends. I was like, me too. I'm from there. Where, did you, what high school did you go to? And he's like, I'm just trying to enjoy a meal with my family. And I'm like, <laughs> so I worked my magic and got them 10% off their bill for being Orville. <laughs> for being Orvillians. But I get so excited when stuff like that happens. I don't know why everyone has to play it so cool all the time. But it felt like one of those moments that transcended time and space. I felt so alone in that place. I didn't know a soul except the family I was living with. And they were kind of like, could you go somewhere else for a little bit? Like you're living in our house, like spend some time in other places. And it just felt like one of those moments where time and space just didn't, I didn't feel so like by myself. I didn't feel so alone. This is what this cloud of witnesses is supposed to help us with. This is the idea that, that God is trying to give us that you're not by yourself, that you have all the Jesus followers, past, present, and future a part of this body that you are a part of. God wants us to know that when we follow Jesus, we belong supernaturally to a community forever. What does God want us to experience in our hearts? That there's strength in numbers. Paul says, we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, so strengthen your drooping hands and knees. Strength is what Paul wants us to experience when we think about 
this cloud of witnesses. Strength, that there's strength in numbers. And forgive me, but the only thing I can think of was uh, Ratatouille. And if you, this is, a, this is a theme that's in lots of different movies. But if you don't know Ratatouille, he, this rat is a master chef. And his friend is not a very good chef. And so he sits in the hair and hat of his friend and pulls his hair to help him become a master chef, this guy. And this is the scene when the guy, the human, reveals to all his other chef friends that it was a rat. And all his French chef friends walk out on him. And there is a dinner rush with a a critic there who's coming to judge the restaurant. And no humans are left. It's just this rat. Here, here's the scene. Just a minute again. Don't don't get too invested. Dad. Dad, I... I don't know what to say. I was wrong about your friend. And about you. I... I don't want you to think I'm choosing this over family. I can't choose between two halves of myself. I'm not talking about cooking. I'm talking about guts. This really means that much to you? We're not cooks, but we are family. You tell us what to do, and we'll get it done. Strength in numbers. This is a, a, like I said, a common trope. It's called calling the Calvary, and it happens in a lot of different movies. The idea is when you're down, when there's not a lot of hope, when there's no direction, when you're by yourself, uh, the group steps in and helps. The group comes and gives you strength, gives you life, encourages you, blesses you, and maybe even helps in some ways. This is what Paul wants us to uh, think about when we think about this great cloud of witnesses, that you're not by yourself, and in not being by yourself, there's strength in this. There's strength, there's hope, there's faith, there's a way to press forward. You're not the first person to do this, and you won't be the last to be following Jesus. Sometimes you you may feel by yourself, but there is a great cloud of witnesses standing with you, surrounding you, encouraging you, cheering you on. 64 mentions of the word saint in the Bible, 64 of them, and not one of them is singular. It is always plural. What the Bible wants to convey to us about this idea of saints is that you're not by yourself. It's a group effort, which is one of the things that makes it different than the world. The world very much has this idea of one man against the world or one woman against the world, and the hero is the one who can rise above it all and take it on, and that is not what our faith is about. Our our faith is about coming together, humility, sacrifice, and being able to, as a group, weather the storm, push forward, and see transformation in our communities. When thinking about this season that we're in, beginning of November, end of October, God wants us to feel stronger because we are not alone. We are part of a community, supernaturally and otherwise. What are we supposed to do? And here's my encouragement to you. I'm not trying to convince you of all this stuff. I'm not trying to uh, make you change your life or become extra spooky or whatever. Uh, 
but with your hands, here's two things I think we can take away from this. I would love for you to remember your dad, and I would love for you to revere the saints. This is what James tells us. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of patient resolve and steadfastness. Look at how we honor those who have practiced endurance. The Bible encourages us to take the saints that have gone before us as the example for our life. And so the first thing I, I mentioned there is uh, it's just a reminder to pick your heroes carefully because who you idolize, which I know is a religious word, but who you make the example of who you want to become, it, it wildly directive for your life. And in our faith, the saints are supposed to be our example, not the heroes of the world. The saints are supposed to be our example. I would love to, if I had time, tell you about all these incredible saints that I've been reading about and have been reading about for the last few years. St. Marina or St. Moses the Black, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Simeon the Stylite. This was a whole group of Christians that lived on towers and depended on their neighbors to just bring them food. And all they did was pray all day. And I'm like, that's weird and cool. They had to get rid of their bathroom issues and stuff. They never came down. Years. Some of them stayed up there for decades, and people would come from miles around to seek wisdom. I'm just letting you know. The saints are awesome, or modern-day saints, right? Like St. Teresa of Calcutta or Mother Teresa, as you know. St. Harriet Tubman, or this is the first Native American saint, St. Kateri from Canada. These people are supposed to be the heroes we have, right? The world's heroes use violence, they use fame, they use wealth, they use valor, courage, etc. all these things that our culture uh, puts up high. But the saints use faithfulness and sacrifice, humility, ministry to the poor, and ultimately they point to Jesus. These are the people that, that the Bible wants us to hold up as examples for us. And who we idolize, who we make examples, is directive of the kind of life that we want and are heading towards. So this season is meant for us to remember the examples of our faith, the people that we put forward as, as the best examples of what it means to follow Jesus in this life. I would love for you to find some saints just to tell their stories, to read up on them. If you need any help, let me know. i got lots of resources. And lastly, this season is here so that we can remember our dead. Intentionally, scheduled, it's not supposed to be weird or awkward, right? This is what this season is for, to share and talk about the people who are constantly on our hearts and minds, but it feels awkward and weird sometimes to bring up, to reveal the sadness and the grief that pierces our own souls. This is what this season is for. Sometimes it's hard to bring that up. Sometimes it's hard to talk about, but it is always there, right? It's always here, and that's why we have this season so that you can, so you can bring them up, so you can say their name, so you can eat their favorite food. This is how Christians have done it in the past, always eating their favorite food, putting out their pictures, um, sharing stories. I lived with my grandparents most of my life, both sides, my, my mom's parents and my dad's parents. Uh, they never talked about their family. And I don't know why that is. I don't know where that, where that came from. I don't know if that was a cultural thing or if it was just my family thing. But what I would have given to learn a little bit more about my, my family. I wish my grandparents would have talked about their parents. Never. I had to beg for stories, and they were so reluctant to give them. I would have loved to know about my great-grandparents, where they came from, how they felt about stuff. Very rarely did they share, and I don't know why. 
And so I'm hoping that in some small sense, if you want to leave some of the supernatural stuff out, that's great. But I'm hoping in some small sense that you would take this season, the season where we are intentionally bringing up supernatural things, talk about the people that we love and miss. Talk about the people that are constantly on our minds and hearts, but we rarely get to have their names in our mouths because it feels weird or awkward. Or we don't want to be a bummer. That's what this season's for. So please share those stories. Share that food. Share that person's life experience with those around you. That's what this season is about. Conclusion. With our head, what does God want us to know? That we are part of a supernatural community that extends forward and backward in time and that this community is meant to encourage our hope and faith and ultimately give us strength, especially just in the idea that we are not alone. And lastly, with our hands, I would love for you to make the saints your example and intentionally remember our loved ones who are asleep in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for this wildly different message and church Sunday morning experience, um, something we don't do regularly. But I pray that you would give us, I don't know, I pray that you would give us a little bit of knowledge of wisdom, a connection maybe to our ancient ancestors who've done things differently and thought about the world differently. I pray that you would let some of that seep in, that we would become more disciples of your word and of your people than of our world and our culture. And Lord, I pray that as we navigate this journey of faith, this race, that you'd help us to feel encouraged, that you would increase our hope, you'd help us feel strong enough to finish well. And one of the ways we can do that is just by remembering those who are asleep in you. Help us to be bold. Help us to, to make that a part of our lives. We give you thanks and praise. Now, Father, we come to a time of communion, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would be in these elements and in our hearts. So as we come to this place, that we would draw close to you and that you would meet us here as you have promised to do. We pray that this bread and this cup would be spiritual nourishment for that race to help us to continue on that journey towards you and towards loving our neighbor as ourself. And Father, now as one body, the table church, would you all pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation.